0: Alright guys, welcome back to another episode of Marlins 9. My name is Jeremiah Geiger and we have a lot to get into today. I'm super excited. Um, big episode. So much to cover really. And I'm going to start by talking about the obvious last night's game against the Washington Nationals. A 2-1 to victory in 10 innings, but the story of the night undoubtedly was the dominance of Sandy Alcantara absolute insanity from this guy. Nine innings of shutout baseball didn't allow a single walk scattering six hits and he didn't get the victory. He didn't pick up the win. And that should tell you a lot about the frustrations of this Marlins team when it comes to hitting, especially in Sandy starts. um, but at the end of the day, the Marlins go out, they give up a run in the 10th, Tanner Scott um, gives up that, what do you call that, the the placed runner, I guess, on second base comes around to score, but the Marlins bounce back, 10th inning, have a little bit of excitement, Williams Astudio with the game-tying hit as Jazz Chisholm slid into home, um, was initially called out, and then was it was challenged by the Marlins and the umpires said that it was a blocking of the plate violation so it wasn't that jazz was safe exactly although his hand if you watch the if you watch the game and you watch the replay it did look like his hand might have grazed the back part of the plate as he dove in um but Kevin Ruiz for the Nationals was called for blocking the plate so that allowed Jazz to, to ultimately tie up the game. And then one batter later, you had Jesus Aguilar with a base hit up the middle, off the base, Williams Astudio sprinting his fastest around third, um, and his attempt at a dive into home plate. I say attempt because, well, if you didn't see it, uh, you're missing out because it was hilarious. Um and the Marlins win it 2 game uh 2 to 1 in extras. Their second walk-off win of the year. Sandy Alcantara to go back to him doesn't pick up the win. Um but just another showcase of how dominant he's been this season for the Marlins. And I think it's at the point in time where all of Major League Baseball should be taking notice of him as not only a an ace, not only an elite pitcher, but arguably the best pitcher in baseball. Um, you look around the league and there's a lot of young guys. There's a lot of really talented pitchers. But Sandy Alcantara on this team doesn't get a lot of credit because of what the Marlins record is right now. They they've been struggling for a while. Um, These these last couple wins against the Nats um, definitely, hopefully, at least, are going to get them trending in the right direction. But for the majority of his career, he hasn't been on a winning team. And us as fans have seen him build up to this point and really break out this year. If you don't consider last year. A breakout this year it's just flat out incredible and he should be the front runner for the Cy Young Award Um a stat I wanted to talk uh, talk about and mention is the ball to strike ratio from last night looking at it here Sandy pitched he had 105 pitches in through nine innings which still really good Um could have went deeper if if he was needed to 84 strikes, 84 strikes compared to, what would that be if I get my my, my math right here? 26 balls. That's, it, I mean, Sandy is dialed in. He is on another level right now. Um, We saw that against Atlanta. We've seen that really when he pitches almost every time at this point. He's had one. You know, not Sandy-like start this season. Everything else has been dominant. Six straight games of at least set seven innings. Only pitcher in the league to do this um, this season, and he undoubtedly, in my mind, should be the front runner for the Cy Young at this point in the season, and should be the National League starter in the All Star game. I don't know if either of those things will happen, but he is incredible and the Marlins have got to do a better job of scoring the man some runs because he deserved the he deserved the win last night. He puts this team on his back every time he comes out and pitches. Every fifth game when Sandy is pitching, I have confidence that the Marlins are going to win. Um the definition of a true ace and us as fans have Have just got to be ecstatic that he's that he's going to be with this ball club for a while, because we've seen it too many times when a a superstar comes up homegrown through the Marlins system, or in this case via trade um, when he was in the minors with the Cardinals. But when a when a when a really good player when that star comes up and starts producing for the fish, they tend to trade him off and. Sandy's locked up. He's here for the long run. He is here to stay, and we get to watch his greatness for a long time, um, a long time, and hopefully some some competitive baseball in the future too, from this guy. Uh, hopefully, he gets some playoff starts in Miami because he deserves it. He is that good. Um, my second my second point, I kind of wanted to delve into a little bit is that of the catcher position. I haven't talked a lot about on the podcast uh Jacob Stallings, Nick Fortes, just the the position in general. I've mainly focused on the outfield because that was the 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 focus this offseason was the two big signings. You've heard it before. Avil Garcia, Jorge Soler, Garcia struggling continued to struggle last night. Um Another 0 for four game, two strikeouts, average hovering around two twenty five. Solaire, he's he's heated up. He's hitting for power. The average still isn't there, so I would like to see more of him. But what I'm trying to say is, in regard in regards to the to the outfield, we kind of know what we have. That is the main focus. A lot of Marlins fans tend to focus on that outfield, the good and the bad. Um, from that position core but I don't hear a lot of talk about the the catching position and that is a position that the Marlins actively went out this offseason and tried to upgrade with the trade um, for Jacob Stallings with Pittsburgh he when the trade happened it looked like an obvious upgrade for from Jorge Alfaro uh, especially on the defensive side offense he wasn't bad last year but he wasn't anything special but the the vibes I got were that Marlins fans were mainly okay with with not having a Jacob Real Muto behind the plate offensively, if it meant that they could shore up that um, that defense. Because without Faro, it it was just awful. So they went out and they traded for for Stallings, who was regarded around the game as one of the best defensive backstops. Um, in the league. And honestly guys, honestly, I am I am not on the Jacob Stallings train right now. And his there's there's a lot of reasons for that. You look at the stats defensively, and I'm going to get into the offense, but you look at the stats defensively. His his framing, his pitch framing is one of the is is one of the worst this year his caught stealing percent caught stealing percentage is is one of the worst but you're kind of in a predicament because that doesn't measure his ability to call to call games to call games for certain pitchers to work with the pitching staff so on one hand, you have a catcher who, on surface level, he's not throwing a lot of runners out. You know the metrics with pitch framing in this day and age. He's not he's not elite by any means. He's below average, but his ability to work with a staff, I think, is underrated because we have seen absolute um, comfortability when it comes to Sandy and Pablo at the top of the rotation working with Stallings he's caught every single start i believe this season from those two guys and you've seen the production so he can handle a pitching staff however the other aspects of the game you really take a look at it and you delve into it i don't there's not a lot of positives um his hitting is atrocious we look at Aviceo garcia and we complain about him for not producing at the plate and granted he is expected to hit better than jacob stallings no one expected the stallings to come in here and you know hit hit 300 or whatnot but he's hitting 203 he's um really really struggling at the plate I'm just pulling up the numbers here for for his hitting. He's had uh 5 extra base hits all season. One home run. Uh his OBP is 272. He's not so he's not walking. He's not getting on base at a clip that we would like to see. And you know, you th- when it comes to the other guys in the rotation, you might want to start thinking about Nick Fortes. And I know it's super, super early in Nick Fortes' career, and there's a lot of baseball to be played this season. He might fall off, the, fall off a cliff offensively. Who knows? But he is providing, albeit in just a few starts, a lot of offense compared to Stallings. Um, he had a, a home run the other night um was it two home runs i i can't recall but he's hitting the baseball he's putting the bat on the ball and he's not starting more than two times a week and at this point i know a lot of Marlon sands will say well we we traded for stallings for a reason he's he's the starter and they just kind of accept it and i was on that train too i I said for the for the longest time, I can handle Stallings' offensive woes at the expense or in exchange for the defense. But his defense isn't there except for handling the pitching staff, um, which I truly think has an impact on Sandy and Pablo having that reliable backstop back there calling the game. He's not doing anything. And I would like to see the Marlins start Nick Fortes a little more and just give him the opportunity to see, hey, could this guy actually hit at the major league level consistently, you know, possibly with Edward Cabrera or Trevor Rogers, um, just not to shake things up drastically for for the guys who are in a groove, because obviously whatever is working um, chemistry wise between Sandy and 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 jacob and and pablo and jacob that's working i don't want to see that be be altered but offensively guys you you need a change you need some more production because the marlins are back where they started last year when it comes to comes to hitting from the catcher position ever since jacob realmuto was traded it's been an absolute black hole offensively and it's a black hole this year again offensively as well stallings just cannot hit the baseball right now and i'd like to see him snap out of it but i'm i I wanted to throw out that perspective for you marlins fans because i don't see it talked about much at all um now i want to kind of get into a little bit of a little bit of Uh, theoretical scenarios as the as the trade deadline comes up i love talking trades i love exploring the possibilities um of what miami's going to do at the deadline as it really is only a month and a half um yeah a month and a half away uh give or take a week or so it's going to come up fast and right now the marlins are sitting at 24 and 30 they had a really rough may however it's a new month and they have a chance as hard as it as hard as it is to believe guys they have a legitimate chance to get back in the thick of things and just last week i was saying i don't think it's going to happen um it, it's just it feels like same old same old but here we go optimistic me is back um <laughs> and I would just wanted to point out that right now Miami is five and a half games out of the second or uh, second wild card, third wild card, as they they have a new an extra team this year, so which helps Miami. They're five and a half out of the third wild card, and the two teams, two of the four teams that are ahead of them right now, are teams in their own division: the Phillies, who just fired Joe Girardi, and the Braves, who. They're the Braves. I knew they were going to bounce back. I think all of us knew they were going to bounce back. But it's the Braves and the Phillies, two teams that the Marlins are going to see a lot of this year um, and be able to control their destiny when it comes to playing these teams. The other two teams are the Diamondbacks and the Giants. And the Diamondbacks have been a little, little surprising I didn't expect them to be this competitive um, past Memorial Day. They're only 3 games under 500, but their run differential is negative 42 and they're they're not a good baseball team. They don't have the same level of talent as the Marlins do in any shape or form. I expect them to to hit a rough patch and I don't expect them to be competing for a wild card spot later later in the year, if you know what I mean. They're, they're going to fall off. If you take away the Diamondbacks and you look at the three teams that are ahead of them, the Giants, the Braves, and the Phillies, as I just said, the Marlins are going to be playing the Phillies and the Braves a lot this summer. That is a chance to, to gain some ground, pick up some head-to-head wins, and make a run for second place. Braves are 30 and 27. The Phillies are two under at 27 and 29. They're not world beaters. Um, The Giants is the team I think would be a a little harder to catch. 30 and 25 right now. A good ball club. They know how to run an organization, they know how to win. They were a 107 win team last year. Last season, 107 wins. Um, So. Not as great a start to the year as as they had last season, but they're a competitive ball club. I expect them to be really competitive as um, and compete for the wild card spot. But my point being by saying all this is that the Marlins have a chance. The Marlins have a legitimate chance to take the greatness of Sandy Alcantara and Pablo Lopez and Jazz Chisholm and Garrett Cooper who is hitting 313 by the way this season. One of the best first basemen's offensively um in all of the, in all of the MLB. Um, but they have a chance to to take these guys and make a playoff push. But it's not going to happen with the roster they have now. It's not going to happen with the depth that they have now. It's not going to happen with the bullpen that they have now. I've harped on this so many times, I've, I, I've complained about the lack of effort from the Marlins front office this offseason to go out and find a legit bullpen arm. They didn't do it, and it's cost them. All these one-run losses we've seen, all the frustration in the late innings after a after a Sandy gem or a Pablo gem, and another blown lead. The bullpen is the thorn in the side for the Marlins right now. And if the Marlins want to compete, they need to go all out these next couple months. If they want if they want legitimately to to make a playoff push, I wouldn't even wait for the trade deadline, personally. I would go out and I would try to get an above average high leverage, um, relief pitcher right now because you're five and a half out. You st- you, you have another losing streak. Okay. You know, it's, it might not happen, but here you go. You have a chance and, and why not? You know, this is the, this is year six, year five, year six of the rebuild. And the, the Marlins have had one playoff appearance in the COVID season, to show for it, their record is better. Um, their record is worse than their Pythagorean record, or 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 whatnot. They're a better ball club than their record suggests. They've had a lot of bad luck, but they have the talent. They they've, you know, they've had a few injuries with Joey Wendell, Brian Anderson, both down. But guys, they have a legitimate chance here. And I I don't want to see them squander it. One of the guys, um, one of the guys I would like to see the Marlins try to go after would be Gregory Soto from the from the Tigers. And I saw a tweet about this one because you have a struggling Tigers team and they're struggling offensively. Marlins have have two bats that are blocking Lewin-Diaz, Garrett Cooper and Hazes Aguilar. They need a relief pitcher. The Tigers need offense. A possible trade would be to go out and, and, and try to get Soto for for Aguilar or s- find some package that incorporates getting Soto, a lefty pitcher who who throws hard, he strikes out a lot of batters. He's pitching this year in 22 games. He has a 1.7 ERA. Instantly, Soto would be the best reliever on the Marlins team. That's just an idea, but overall, the the main the main point is that you have two guys, uh, Cooper and Aguilar, who are going to be getting calls on at the deadline the Marlins are going to be getting a lot of calls on these guys because right now you got two of them these first base DH hybrids and Lewin Diaz is absolutely scorching hot in AAA he has nothing left to prove he is ready but he's being blocked right now but i don't like the idea of trading away Garrett Cooper when you have a chance to make a playoff run and i i don't mind seeing the idea of Aguilar being traded if it gets a high quality major league relief arm um i think that i think that it's inevitable that one of these guys will be traded whether the marlins are buying or selling at the at the deadline i think it's it's it doesn't matter i think one of these guys will be traded personally i would like to see it be aguilar because i think coop is a better hitter and he's having the best season so far the best start to a season in his career and I don't want to see the Marlins get rid of him um he's also more controllable so that's just an idea to throw that out there um Jesus Aguilar for Gregory Soto um Marlins give up a give up a a a hitter get 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 the um get a big big time bullpen reliever um, power arm throw him right in the bullpen he can start closing games and give this team a chance in the late innings in a one run, two run game. And they open up a spot for Lewin Diaz to come up and and show show us what he's got because it seems weekly this dude is hitting bombs at triple A. He is ready. I know I'm ready to see him up here again, and it would be a win-win deal. Um, another, another aspect of this team that I haven't talked about yet is earlier this week, there was a 90-minute closed-door team meeting that elicited various responses from different players. Now, nobody was there to to hear exactly what happened or to see for themselves exactly what happened. But I thought it was interesting, and I couldn't have this episode without talking about it at least a little bit because you had Miguel Rojas, Garrett Cooper, and Don Maddenly all speak about it and all kind of have different responses um, to the meeting garrett cooper flat out said it wasn't necessary it it seemed that he was not happy with whatever went on um he wasn't having it don mattingly don mattingly came out and said that he would not be surprised if his team came out flat and this was on tuesday i believe well the marlins went out and scored 12 runs and beat the nationals um 12 to one. It certainly wasn't a flat showing by the fish. But I thought it was very interesting that he said it. It makes you wonder if there is an internal conflict within this team because at this stage in the season, when the Marlins are sitting at the position they're in, six games under 500, not terrible, but certainly not at the optimum position to go out and, and win and compete for a division for even being in a wild card spot, they're six games under. That internal division in the clubhouse cannot be taken lightly. It is something that can make or break a team. The unity between players, the unity between players and coaches, whatever is going on, it has to be fixed because this team will not go anywhere as long as the clubhouse is not unified. So whatever went on there, um, I hope is fixed and. I hope the Marlins can come together and realize that they do indeed have a shot at a playoff appearance. They do indeed have a shot at being competitive. Um, and it's so funny. I'm listening to myself say this because just the other week I was saying, is it time to throw, throw up the white flag? Because it's, it was going that bad. I didn't feel like the Marlins had a direction and I'm not necessarily sure after this closed door meeting that they do have a direction but right now if you look at the standings they have a fighting chance and you got to go you got to capitalize on it Edward Cabrera getting the start at Coors getting the another start against Washington. He is going to be a staple in this rotation for a long time. You absolutely love to see it. If he can manage, uh, if he can control, if he can improve his control a little bit, the kid is going to be absolutely dominant because the stuff is all there. We're talking 98, 99-mile-an-hour fastball and a 95-mile-an-hour changeup. Yeah, a 95-mile-an-hour changeup. The dude is incredible. I'm really happy that he's up in the rotation uh, in place of, well, I guess in place of Luzardo. I was going to say Eliezer, but that's Braxton Garrett, who is a solid fifth starter. He's nothing special. He doesn't throw hard. He's not going to strike out a lot of guys, but he is a slight upgrade over Eliezer for the fifth spot. So you're looking at Sandy, Ace One um pablo ace two trevor struggled but he still has the stuff hopefully he he starts to figure it out and and get back on the right track tonight as he pitches in about an hour and a half really excited to see that but you got sandy pablo trevor and then edward cabrera braxton garrett luzardo hasn't started throwing yet but when he comes back and if he's healthy, I like I have liked what I saw of him earlier this season. The Marlins rotation is great. It um the offense, again, it's inconsistent, but you you look at Garrett Cooper, you look at Jazz Chisholm, you look at a healthy Joey Wendell whenever he comes back. No timetable yet for that. But they have they have a chance. And I'm really excited to see how this plays out. This Astro series is going to tell a lot about this team. It's going to tell a lot about this team and what they're made of coming back from this week with the closed-door meeting. Um, huge opportunity to go out and win some games, creep closer back to, back to 500, and see what goes from there. All right, guys. We're just about out of time, so... Again, thank you for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Jeremiah Geiger 2. Uh, share the podcast. Um, again, if, if you're interested, Marlin's fans, baseball fans uh, hit me up. I love to talk baseball. love to talk to Marlins with you on the show and this is um, this is Marlin's 9 and I'll be back with another episode. Thank you guys for listening.